Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in everyone to a special edition of GC Live, the post-game show is South Carolina. For the second time in eight days, they are able to take down a top 10 team. And tonight, the Gamecocks were able to go to Knoxville and take down the number five ranked Vols. What a night, Joe, for a team who was underdogs by what? Two touchdowns for crying out loud. No respect this is what the fan base has kind of been talking about. The Rodney Dangerfield, right? Oh, I get no respect. That's what they were talking about. Not in the top 25, despite the fact even a week ago, before beating Kentucky, not one vote in the Associated Press. You think things are going to change next week? I'm sure. Obviously, they have another game later on in the week, but a big message tonight for the Gamecocks as they take down Tennessee 63-59. to yeah, Mike, I mean, I don't think they have any other choice besides to rank the Gamecocks. Obviously, you have to take care of your game on Saturday, but a win like this should should do it regardless. Um, you know, two top 10 wins uh, in, back, in back-to-back weeks. You know, Tuesday night has been a special night for the Gamecocks. Um, you know, it's a very, very big one, one to go get this one on the road at Tennessee. You know, obviously, the, Tennessee comes back to colonial life but um, should give you a lot of hope going into that game as well. But, yeah, really, really, really good to steal one on the road in SEC play in the thick of it against a top-five team. Like, there are so many good things about this win, um, and, and it's proof to this team how well they've been playing recently um, and just how, how much they've sticked together and, and, and rebounded from losses in the past. So we mentioned this the other day. But for those of you who missed, we have a big audience right now. Appreciate everyone tuning in. A very special night. Here in Columbia, just a week after taking down Kentucky on the home court here for the Gamecocks. They do it on the road tonight, though, against Tennessee. It's been 300, 363 weeks in South Carolina as last rank. Now, having said that, having said that, South Carolina has a game this weekend. They're going to be going to take on Georgia in Athens on the 3rd. That'll be a one o'clock game on the SEC network. But I bring that up because, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but unless South Carolina just comes out and just lays an absolute egg. I mean, I'm not even talking about losing. I'm talking about absolutely laying an egg. This team should be ranked, again, for the first time in 363 weeks. You have to go all the way back to February of 2017 to find that last time the Gamecocks were ranked. Having said all that, Joe, let's put things into perspective, right? Get the win tonight. Take down the number five team in the land. Okay. More importantly for the Gamecocks, they improved now to 18-3. and three. 
Conference-wise, 6-2. and two. Yes, that one against Georgia a couple weeks ago, that one stings a little bit. But when you look at it, and it's crazy to think this, even the people that believed in this Gamecock team on the outside looking in, I don't think anyone could have imagined them being in the position that they're in right now. And the reason I say that is with the number of transfer players that they brought in here, yes, experience has been big. Yes, the maturity has been important. There's no question that's been two of the main parts as to why South Carolina has been as successful as they are, and you can continue to go down the list. But I bring that up because there would have been an understanding if this team had some growing pains early on because of the new faces, trying to gel. I think there's nine new faces on this year's team. That's why give a lot of credit to Lamont Paris, give a lot of credit to the upperclassmen for buying into the system, and give a lot of credit for just everyone on this team who has a role, right? Everyone has a role on this team. Talon Cooper, we've talked about this before. What he's meant for this team, and you saw it tonight, defensively, tenacious, what he does from a point guard standpoint, incredible. Michi Johnson, even when he's not on, there's good things that he does. Josh Gray, the growth, the growth just year to year, especially I think back to when he first arrived at South Carolina. Guys are doing exactly what they need to do. They're not trying to do too much. The old saying, right? Bill Belichick would say, do your job. It applies here for basketball too. Everyone's doing their job. And that's why South Carolina is beating teams. And for people that overlook this team, what more do you need to see? What more do you need to see? I mean, this is a team that should be ranked in the top 15. I'm Whatever happens at next least, week with the rankings, great. But based on what they've done, this is a top 15 team. If you've been paying attention, going all the way back to non-conference play. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you've got to take care of Georgia at Athens this weekend or in Athens this weekend. Uh, but if you can do that, right, you should be a top, at least top 20 team, right? Two top 10 wins. You didn't get ranked uh, for the last one, which is understandable because you did lose to Georgia. But after this win, right, Mike, there's no doubt uh, that this is a top 25 basketball team in the country, um, let alone a top. You know, I I mean, there there's a chance. I mean, if they beat UGA, they could be tied atop the lead for the SEC. They're only a game back of the SEC. And, you know, Tennessee was, I think, half a game back. And so now, um, you know, barring Alabama losing another game, you're tied for a share of the SEC lead. Um, and so that's huge. In year two of the Lamont Paris era, um, it's, I mean, you, nobody really expected this. Myself included, did not expect this. I thought, what did you realistically, and Gamecock fans that are yeah. watching, whether it be on Facebook, Twitter, well, let's see what YouTube, everyone that's watching, yeah. we have a bunch of people. I mean, I'll put it this way. Put it this way before I even ask that question. The number of people watching, and we, we have high numbers during football season, especially for big upsets. The post-game show numbers right now, and this was something that we decided to do if South Carolina won tonight. For the people on the outside of Columbia that say people don't care about basketball here, I've been covering this team since that Final Four run, that 2016-17 season. The number of people tuned in tonight, the number of people that was in CLA the other night, they care. You're seeing that. And what you saw the other night, too, with South Carolina, when they returned back into their arena after taking care yeah. of Kentucky earlier in the week and they beat Missouri. 
So I bring those things up, Joe, because people that are watching, be realistic. What was your expectations for this team? You know, Lamont Paris has said it many, many times before, and I'm sure he'll mention it in tonight's post-game press conference. He said it the other day following the win against Missouri. He's mentioned it all the way back to SEC media days when the Gamecocks were picked to finish last. They were picked to finish 14th in the SEC. And while it may have been understandable if South Carolina still had some type of growing pains this year, that hasn't been the case. Again, so many new faces. So many new faces. A handful of transfer portal players. And yet Paris and these guys, again, credit to, to the upperclassmen for being able to buy into the system as quickly as they did because what they were able to accomplish out of conference, that's where everything started. And again, I say that because if you go back and you watch what this team has done, go back to the beginning of the year. Go back and look at some of those games early on in the season. I think about that Virginia Tech game, being able to get the win, 79-77, up in North Carolina. I think about some of those close games. I think about the game out in Grand Canyon where it was supposed to be a neutral site game. You were essentially the visiting team. I think about those games, Joe, early on in the season. And even in that tough loss against Clemson, I think that's that lit a, a spark underneath South Carolina to finish out conference play strong. And just what they've been able to do in a lot of these close games. I mean, even tonight, you knew it was going to be a dogfight. Give credit to Tennessee. They stuck around. They made some tough shots towards the end. But it's, yeah. and he goes back to last year. We've talked about this before, too. <clears throat> there were over a handful of games that were decided by six points or less last season. And a majority of those games, South Carolina lost. That hasn't been the case this season for this team. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, realistically, you, I mean, you asked me where I saw this team, you know, at the beginning of the season, and I projected it to maybe sneak into the tournament, right? They had a lot of veteran guys, uh, but I did not expect this to be like this firmly kind of in and in, in competing for a top 25 ranking, um, let alone, you know, should be ranked. Uh, you know, this team has caught me by surprise a lot, uh, I think, as with everyone, right? I think we saw that there was potential for this team to kind of go on a little bit of a run and maybe surprise some people, but I don't think like this, Mike. Um, and I think, you know, credit give credit to Lamont Paris. I think, you know, this hire made sense, especially with the way that college basketball and all of collegiate athletics has been trending. I mean, Mike, in Talking Tuesdays, we talked about the transfer portal. Well, if you look at Lamont Paris's history at Chattanooga, he has he was forced to find guys that will buy into the system and mm-hmm. also come from the transfer portal, right? So you look at what Lamont had to do at Chattanooga, assembling a roster and that kind of thing. So this, I mean, if you think about it that way, this success shouldn't surprise you. At an SEC school like South Carolina, um, you know, all of the resources are certainly here. Um, and, you know, I, I will say this, Columbia has been begging for a men's basketball team to to get behind and root for. Um, I think that final four run with Sundarius Thornwell and Frank Martin was only, you know, a glimpse of what, uh, you know, a basketball town in, in Columbia, South Carolina can look like, especially with the women's team as good as they are. Um, to have both playing like 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 they are really, 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 really darn good. Um, it's good. It's and there's there's a different life in Colombia too, and I'm sure you know colonial life will be packed from from here on out, regardless of how they finish up. So a couple things I want to hit on. Seeing some of the comments, and Kevin brings up 
did getting voted last end up being a meaningful motivator? No question. No question. And that's evident. That's evident. Lamont Paris, again, has mentioned it over and over and over. I mean, shoot, I'll have to go back and listen to how many times he's actually said it this year. He, I mean, he's said it at least more than a handful of times. So if he's saying that to the media, which is obviously an extension to not just the fan base, but what when he's up there, he's talking to his team. Coaches know that. Good coaches know that. That what he says at that podium is being said back to his team in some shape, way, or form. So I say that because not only did I do I feel like that's motivated this team for the entirety of the season, but I also think, too, that not being ranked, not being ranked yesterday, not being picked in the top 25, motivated them even more. You saw the tweet from Michi Johnson. If you didn't see it, I think he, he said speechless or it was just like a laughing emoji. You know, I'm paraphrasing. I'm trying to recall exactly what he put out there, but it was something to the effect of that. And what he was describing was the feeling, just like I'm sure a lot of you in the fan base felt yesterday, like what's going on here? Now, again, being able to go from not having one vote a week prior to beating Kentucky to going up to essentially number 26, having 108 votes this week before obviously tonight's game, that was a big jump for South Carolina. That would be a big jump for any team. But yet, finding ways to continue to motivate yourself. You feel disrespected that you're not in the top 25. So, Kevin, to build off of what you just said, I, I don't even think that it's been, okay, no one has believed in us all season. It's continuing to find ways throughout the year to motivate yourself. And South Carolina is able to have success in, in, in Athens this weekend and take down Georgia, and they get into that top 25, which we'd all would, would assume, Right. South Carolina is going to have to reinvent themselves in a way. And what I mean by that is you're going from a team now, regardless of what that number says. I mean, I, I think even last week beating Kentucky put a lot of teams on notice. But now being able to do it back-to-back -back weeks, I mean, the toughest thing in sports to do is to be able to, to do something twice, right? And certainly when you look at what's coming up for South Carolina, they got to play Tennessee again. Like, don't forget that. They have to play Tennessee in March at home at CLA. That's the last home game of the year. You have to take on an Auburn team at Auburn, who's pretty pissed off right now, coming off a loss the other night. Got Ole Miss twice, one at CLA on Tuesday night next week, followed by Vandy. Then, like I said, going to Auburn, you play LSU. And then Ole Miss again, Texas A&M, Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. So I say that because, Joe, when we look at South Carolina, where they're at right now, you mentioned Final Four, that 2016-2017 season, which, oh, by the way, like that year, Final Four is just coincidentally in Phoenix, Arizona again, oh, by the way. But I say that because... I think the belief heading into conference play based on what South Carolina was able to accomplish out of conference, because heading into conference play, South Carolina was 12 and one, 12 and one. They began conference play two and two. And since that loss against Georgia, 
since that loss against Georgia two weeks ago, they have four wins, dominated Arkansas from start to finish, one by 13, took care of Kentucky at home, one by 17, came back on your home court against Missouri, got the win, and then you were able to go on the road tonight and take care of Tennessee. So when you look at what they've been able to do, it's not fluky, right? It's it's not fluky. Certainly this team, the way they play, the tempo of the game. I mean, how many times did we hear that tonight from the commentators? The tempo, controlling the game. Gamecock Central's own, former Gamecock Central, I should say, reporter. But South Carolina's own Alyssa Lang on the call tonight doing sideline duties. She mentioned that a couple times during those timeouts listening to what Rick Barnes was telling his Tennessee players. There's so many things that South Carolina does right because it's not just go out there and just, you know, chuck up the ball and just pray that something good happens. I mean, there's teams out there that are talented enough to be able to do that. And that's not to take anything away from South Carolina. That's not saying, okay, Mike's saying they're not talented. But what I'm trying to say is they're a very disciplined group. They understand that in order to win based on the talents that they have, because there's teams out there that are more talented than them. Let's just call for what it is. There's teams out there that are more, Kentucky, probably more talented than them. Tennessee, probably more talented than them. But the difference is being able to go out there and execute in the manner in which they did tonight, in which they've done multiple times this season, but of course going back last week against Kentucky. Yeah, Mike, you got to play your own brand of basketball, right? I think, you know, one thing that South Carolina has done a really, really good job of against top 10 teams, um, and especially Kentucky and Tennessee is just slowing down um, their opponents on the offensive end, right? So, I mean, South Carolina can do it offensively. They can go zero or they can go 60 miles an hour. And then on the defensive end, they've been good at just, you know, being able to stretch out possessions, um, you know, force drives to the bucket, make them kick it out, look for second and third looks. Um, it really, really throws teams off their rhythms, especially like a team like Kentucky that's so top-loaded, right? They've got a guy like Rob Dillingham. They've got a guy like Big Z, right? But those teams have not been forced to play together on the road or at home, for that matter, in, in the case of Tennessee. You know, when you do that to teams, they really, really have to play together. It really tests, you know, the inner fibers of a team um, when you can slow them down and, and just really play cohesive defense against them. So, I mean, we saw that with Tennessee and, and Kentucky is, you know, when they got down the stretch and, and kind of a tighter game, they, they folded. But, you know, they're going to take those losses and get that much better. So, I mean, when South Carolina sees Tennessee at Colonial Life, they're going to be a better team than what they were. Now, obviously, you have the advantage of the home crowd at your side. But, um, you know, South Carolina had a game, perfect game plan for the game up in Knoxville. They need to be even better um, if they want to win at Colonial Life. All right, a couple stats tonight that I want to hit on after looking at this game. You know, there's a lot of talk about Michi Johnson going back to this past weekend's game against Missouri. Not being able to make one basket. And I think the stuff that we saw from Calipari talking about it, I mean, it's like, come on, pal. All right, you lost, move on. All right, I know you're trying to make a joke out of the situation, kind of like, all right, anytime someone plays Kentucky, they make all their shots. But I say that because, you know, Michi, one of eight tonight, three points, had that three out there today. Aside from that, he did some good things, though. Six rebounds, six assists, two steals. 
the reason I bring that up is Michi hasn't played, as far as from an offensive standpoint, he hasn't played great. I mean, I just call for what it is. He hasn't had great games these last two games. He hasn't had good games offensively the last two games. And yet South Carolina is continuing to find ways to win. I bring that up because I feel like, especially when it comes to college basketball, if you go across the country, I mean, you can look at the NBA too, but especially when it comes to college basketball. When your leading scorer is not making baskets, go look, I'm sure, a lot of those teams, especially that have like that that one guy that really drives the team from an offense. South Carolina, they have multiple guys that step up. And the other thing too, like I mentioned, the oh, reason yeah. I mentioned the six rebounds, the six assists, the two steals, when Michi's not making his baskets, he finds ways to still make an impact in the game. There's so many guys that when their shots don't drop, right, the body language, you know, Lamont's talked about that before, right, trying to find their swagger, all that kind of stuff from this past weekend, he doesn't feel sorry for himself. He doesn't feel sorry. So, again, I bring that up. I bring that up simply to say that you have a guy like Michi who's not playing his best brand of basketball right now, and yet he's still making an impact, and an impactful impact at that. Other guys stepped up, no question about it, from an offensive standpoint, but it's the defense, it's the hustle, it's doing the little things, controlling the tempo that allows South Carolina to win even when their top scorer is having an off game, like we've seen a couple times this season, but of course the last two games with Michi. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, the role players is what makes this team special. Shout out to Jacoby Wright. I mean, didn't have the best game um, shooting the ball, but it was clutch. Got got the three-pointer when he needed it the most. Uh, Miles Studi coming off the bench looks good as well. Um, but yeah, Zach Davis also stepped up. I mean, he started, right? Like, even though Studi played the bulk of that game, Zach Davis, again, um, didn't yep. have the best stat line in the world. But again, you needed him to win that game, right? Um, and then obviously all eyes on Josh Gray, um, you know, Two, he finished two of four, two for two from the free throw line, which is good for Josh. Uh, you know, seven rebounds, one turnover, and six points. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good night for Josh Gray, right? Especially when you had a focus on the big man, Dalton Connect, as well. Um, you know, being able to, you know, just get in there and pick up where Murray Boyles and, and, and BJ Mack left off defensively, I think that was a really, really big advantage for South Carolina. And then also, can't cannot go out um, without talking about Murray Boyles. Um, you know, he's yeah. been a stud, a stud, um, just a constant presence in the paint. And I saw also there was a comment like, how will this affect recruiting and, and transfer portal recruiting? Obviously, it helps. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you look at a guy like I, I talked about this with Kendall a little bit about um, on, on my show. You know, you look at the 2025 recruiting class. Well, you know, you've got Eli Ellis, right, who's averaging 33 points a game in OTE, which is one of the best high school leagues in the country. Um, you know, who does he remind you of? Michi Johnson, right? An offensive guard who likes to score, that kind of thing. So you're getting talent um, recruiting-wise. And then, I mean, obviously, I think if you have success, you're going to be a destination for portal guys. And you know that Lamont likes to recruit guys out of the portal based on, you know, roles. Um, and there are a lot of guys to go around. Um, so Lamont should have you know, a pretty wide open selection in the portal, um, you know, after, especially after the success that he's had. With portal guys um, this year, I think you know he there he should be able to be pretty selective in the portal. Um, I think that should help too. Um, but yeah, Mike, I mean, really being able to use transfers to your advantage and getting them all to buy in really, really quickly. Um, just these are guys that just want to hoop at the end of the day, right? They they want to have success at the collegiate level um, and, and win, right? 
winning's fun, and these guys are just trying to have fun at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm not gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit on the impact from a recruiting standpoint, simply because it, it's nights like tonight, and certainly being able to have two nights like this in a span of eight days, it helps out a lot. I'm not trying to downplay that one bit, yeah. but having said that, it, it, there's much more that goes into it, right? What happens over the span of the next, what, six weeks or so as they finish out February and head into March? You know, what, what happens with the momentum for this team? How do certain players respond if adversity does hit? You know, you look back to that 2016-17 team, that team that reached the Final Four, they went through their funks. Right. And whether it's fair or unfair, naturally, this team will be compared to that team, depending on what they're able to do for a lot of reasons. But the biggest reason is because that's the last team that's made it to the NCAA tournament. But I bring all that up because I think there's no question with what we've seen from the players who have transferred in here, the impact that they've had. And we've talked about this from a football standpoint, but obviously from a basketball standpoint, the numbers are much less, right? You don't have 100 guys on the team. So for better or for worse, when you look at certain things, you're wondering, okay, how impactful are guys that are coming in from the portal? And especially if they only have one year and you're looking at the majority of these players that have come in here, especially those one-year guys, rental players, if you will, and they're making big impacts quickly. So that, that I, I agree with you in that part. Yeah. I think we look at when we look at two. What are the comments made about Michi about the play? Should it you know concern you? Nope. No, and here's the reason why. I yet here's the reason why. What he's been doing this season, not just from an offensive standpoint, but from a defensive standpoint, he's been a a dominant two way player, dominant in the sense that. He's done exactly what you've needed him to do. Now, tonight, again, going back to this past week in the game against Missouri, he has two off nights from an offensive standpoint, but yet he's still being able to make a difference for you in other ways. Talked about the rebounds, talking about the steals, talking about the assists. If those other things continue to drop as well, yeah, then I start to get concerned. And there's no question that if South Carolina wants to have success down this stretch, that Michi playing from an offensive standpoint, the way that he was playing to start the year and what he's done for the majority of the season, they're going to need him to do that. But having said that, other players are finding ways to step up. And like I said, Michi's the type of guy that even when he's off offensively, was it one for eight tonight, 0 for nine the other night, he's still finding ways to impact the team. Now, having said all of that, Joe, having said all of that, and I think someone else brought this up, with Lamont Paris, second year, there's going to be people that are ready to, you know, give him a contract extension, all that stuff. That's great. To me, worry about that at the end of the year. And I know that's what South Carolina will do. I know that's what South Carolina will do. But my whole point is just continue to focus on that next step in front of you, right? One step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be more of a media presence. I mean, it's funny for me to say that, but there's going to be more of a media presence, not just in Columbia, but from a national standpoint. There's going to be more external noise surrounding this program. 
And that those are the other challenges. How how impactful that can be from a recruiting standpoint in helping this program and helping Lamont Paris and what they're trying to accomplish long term wise, it it's great. But in the short short term, you need to continue to put the blinders on because <clears throat> this weekend against Georgia, I expect I expect them to give you your best simply because they know how good you are. They know what you've done since they beat you. And on top of that, they've beat you before. So from a mental standpoint, they look at it and say, you know, we've done it before. It wasn't easy. And obviously, if anyone remembers that night, the 30-plus foul calls in the second half, the double bonus or whatever it was, it was just they were in the bonus already 10 minutes into the second half. I think both teams, it was ridiculous. Having said all that, Georgia found a way to win. So trying to find motivation this weekend for the Gamecocks, it shouldn't be hard simply because that's a game that they felt like they should have won. They let it slip out of their hands. Obviously, some things they couldn't control when it came to the officiating, but at the same time, too, they had their opportunities. Didn't make their free throws that night. Tonight, well, that wasn't the case. Free throw shooting, really good for this team. Yeah, really, really good for this team, Mike. Um, team you know, 18, Joe. Yeah, yeah, really good, right? Um, as much as this team is going to foul and, you know, because part of the, the the game that this team is going to have to play, you mentioned the experience. I mean, I don't – and granted, it's not that big of an experience gap, but I, I think, you know, or talent gap, if you will. But I think part of this team's, you know, is figuring out how the refs are going to call the game. And, you know, that depends on the pressure defensively and all of that. So, I, I mean, if you're going to have or if you're going to play it like that, you you have to have an ability to draw fouls and then make your free throws because of it. Right. Because you're going to get into close games where, you know, teams are going to start fouling if you're up um, and, and you don't have the ability to put away games. If you can't make your free throws, um, quite literally at the end of the game, uh, you know, you need to make your free throws if you plan to close it out. Right. Because if, if you break a couple of those, maybe connect goes down the floor and you know makes a couple or you know you just missing your free throws gives the other team way 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 more chances um in in the last couple minutes and it's not something that the South Carolina team can afford especially on the road um at a place uh like Knoxville right um yep. hostile environment you start missing free throws they're 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 gonna add up right Mike because it just it keeps going, and then you get in your head, and then it's it's all over, right? All the momentum is shifted, and it's at a point where you can't recover. So um, this team does a really, 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 really good job of you know when when things get tough or when the game gets tough, you know, getting back to the roots, playing together, making the extra pass on offense, slowing the ball down if they need to, you know, finding the best look, and then on defensively, um, you know, the quick switches have you know obviously that's that's a really good sign of team basketball. Um, they're not afraid to recover either. The recoveries have been good. So if somebody gets beat, it's a quick switch, recover back. So I think it's it's very big. Um, and, you know, Mike, they're doing all the right things, right? They're playing team basketball at the right time, right? This We, we had talked about it kind of leading up to this, talking about this basketball team. It's like, all right, they got to make it through January. Well, here we are sitting at January 30th, and they're 18-3, and three, um, you know, with one of the best records in program history. So this team is legit. I think we can say that uh, up until this point. 
it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can hold on. I mean, all signs point to that they will, right? Especially with the brand of basketball that they're playing. Like I just mentioned, you know, making the extra pass defensively, the rotations have been mm-hmm. crisp. And just the game management, right? I mean, I, I think Lamont, too, he learned a lot in, in year one in this league, too. Sorry I'm throwing a lot at you, Mike, but, I mean, you talked about that on John Rothstein's podcast as well, just kind of learning the style of game in the SEC how to play it, um, and then Lamont's just kind of made his own style, and we're, we're seeing it here when we have a team that's that's fully bought in. I think last year we saw glimpses of it, right? The Alabama gave Alabama game gave you some hope. You played a team that you had no business playing close, close, um, and this is just kind of what happens when, when a Lamont-Paris team puts it all together, right? Has everything cooking, and I mean, yes, they suffered adversity in the Georgia loss, but this team put it all back together. Especially, I mean, that loss after Alabama too, Mike. I mean, I think there were still people trying to write this team off, um, saying that they wouldn't come back and they wouldn't respond to it. So, um, you know, I, I think this team has righted the ship uh, in a very, very positive way. Um, and now they're playing their best basketball because of it. Again, if you're just joining us, South Carolina pulls off the upset of number five Tennessee tonight, 63-59 in Knoxville, earning their second top 10 victory in eight days. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba, and joining us in just a little bit from Knoxville is our very own from Gamecock Central. And that's the man, the one and only Jack Veltry. He is waiting right now for Studi to speak. He is in the post-game press conference room. We'll hear what his thoughts were about the game, but also what was said after the game. We'll give you a recap, kind of the Cliff Notes version, so you can get you all caught up if you've been paying attention to what we've been saying here, sharing our thoughts. Let us know what you guys think, whether you're watching on Facebook, whether you're watching on Twitter, whether you're watching on YouTube. Share your thoughts in that comment section. We will put it up there on the screen as we celebrate another Gamecock victory for the 18th time this season. USC improves to 18-3 and on the year. And how about this? I know I've been kind of putting this stat out there on Twitter, but we got to continue just to update it as we go between South Carolina men's basketball and women's basketball. Now the two programs have combined to go 37 and three. Let me say that again. South Carolina's men and women's basketball programs combined are 37 and three at this very point. That is the best in the country for any two schools in college basketball. Pretty damn special. And I know I saw some people talk about, hey, feels like 2017 again. It obviously wasn't just the men's team that year. The women's team went to the Final Four. Asia Wilson brought the first national title home. The hometown girl being able to help South Carolina win the women's basketball championship that season. And, of course, the men making it to the Final Four. It's been another special year of basketball, and we'll see. Final Four for men, as we mentioned. It is in Phoenix again, and we know what happened the last time South Carolina men's basketball played in a tournament where the Final Four was in Phoenix. Again, Jack will be joining us. Jack will be joining us shortly, and we'll get some updates on far as what is going on out there in Knoxville. I did want to know this, Mike. I, I saw this question. Uh, Oh, we'll worry about that another night. It's not about me tonight. It's not about us. It's about uh, the South Carolina win. We'll have fun on Tuesday. You want to tune in on Tuesday? I'll answer your question about horse. But um, yeah, look, I I really like what South Carolina is doing as far as being able to move on from one game to another. Too, 
I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier this week on Gamecock Central, but the maturity factor, being able to bring in guys here. We talk about the ability, and Lamont talked about it the other day. I asked him this question in postgame against Missouri. When you lose a game, it's real easy. It's real easy to get so caught up on, okay, hey, we got to flush it. We got to move on to the second game. We cannot allow ourselves to let this snowball into the next game and hold us back. As true as that is, it's also important to be able to flush it when you when you're winning and when things are going your way and when things are going well. And South Carolina has been able to do that. They did that, of course, against Missouri once they beat Kentucky earlier in the week, but they were able to do it again tonight against Tennessee. And as we mentioned before, as we mentioned before, being able to go out there and beat Tennessee in the manner in which they did tonight, bam. I, I think I think it just proves that they have the ability to overcome what they need to as far as winning and losing, being able to control all the external noise. So are they going to be able to do it again this weekend in Athens, Georgia? We'll have to wait and see, but obviously just one step at a time. Again, we're waiting for Jack to hop on with us. He said he's still waiting for Studi right now as he's in that post-press conference room. Lamont Paris just finished up a little while ago, so we'll get an update on what Paris had to say. But, of course, seeing Studi back out there tonight, you saw him warming up with the team this past weekend against Missouri. Wasn't a go, but being able to get ready. And he was able to come out and give you 13 points off the bench, three of four shooting. Three of three behind the arc, four of four from the free throw line, added three rebounds, and also had two steals. Not bad for a guy making his comeback after getting hurt. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Big Red, what you got to say? Taking their opponents deep into the shot clock has been our bread and butter these last few games. Yeah, I think they mentioned it during the game. What they did, especially against Kentucky, I mean, Kentucky heading into that South Carolina game last week, the Wildcats, they weren't a team that had struggles when it came to dealing with turning the ball over because of shot clock violations. In South Carolina, they got them a couple times. They got them a couple times. Doing that tonight against Tennessee and just the way they play defense, and as we've talked about, about with this team before, having so many new faces, the, the fact that they've been able the fact that Lamont Paris has been able to get this team, especially right from the jump, to buy into the philosophies that they have from a defensive standpoint when you have so many new faces, I mean, that's a testament to Paris, but it's also a testament to the maturity of this team that so many guys were able to buy in quickly. So another another special night from a defensive standpoint, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, being able to play, you know, their brand of basketball on the defensive end, um, like I said, being able to take the opposing team's offense and, and being able to speed it up and slow it down um, as they wish. Just also, I was really impressed with kind of the guard play as well. I mean, we talk about the bigs and how they lock down connect. Um, but, I, I, you know, credit to, to, to Cooper and Johnson and Studi and everybody, Zach Davis, um, you know, all of the South Carolina guards that played tonight did a really, really good job. 
of trying to control the pace. Um, and again, that's a really, really hard thing to do on the road, especially with the, you know, opposing atmosphere and everything like that. But um, the guard play was, was pretty mm -hmm. decent tonight, even though you didn't have the best night from them offensively. Right. Um, and that's, that's what's going to lead right in the SEC. SEC is more of a guard league anyways. Um, so being able to slow down um, any and all play from the guards makes your life a whole heck of a lot easier um, you know, just throughout the SEC schedule because it all starts with the guards in this league. It really does. Yeah, and shout out to R.L. Smith for the two bucks. We'll take the two dollars. It's uh, one thing if we want to nitpick, right? We got to nitpick just because when you look at this team, you're trying to continue to find ways where they can get better. Obviously, Michi, if he's able to go out there and make a couple shots, right? I mean, that speaks for itself. Just being a little bit cleaner with the ball. Uh, there was a couple times down the stretch, and I don't want to say that this team looked like they were panicking. I mean, I think that's just a real good Tennessee team. They turned it up a little bit down the stretch, but obviously South Carolina was able to make some big shots too. But from just protecting the ball standpoint, there was that one pass in particular that I can think of with Josh Gray, just a miscommunication on the outside on the perimeter where he was trying to go um, inside out with it from the paint kicking out to the outside. I, I share these things because this is, again, just trying to find ways where South Carolina can improve on because when you look at what they did, it's hard to really, I don't know. I mean, again, free throw shooting. That was one thing in particular, and that's something that they certainly need to continue to have success. If they're shooting what they did tonight, just over 83%, if they're shooting 80% or better, Obviously, being able to make it to the free throw line as many times as they did tonight, 18 times, if you're able to do that and you're making more than 80% of your shots, you're going to be looking pretty good. You're going to be looking Especially pretty good. Especially on the road, Mike. Especially on the road. Yep. Uh, let's see. Looking at if anything stands out. I mean, just like I said, just trying to protect the ball a little bit more. But um, Because we wait for Jack. Yeah, uh, waiting for Jack right now. Yeah, We're just waiting exactly. for Jack. It's going to I mean, be a long drive back. I mean, he'll stay there. Oh, I'm assuming he's staying there tonight. That's a hike. It is a hike. He'll stop, at Bucky. he'll stop at Bucky's in the morning. He showed us one of the signs at Bucky's as he made the drive out there. So we're just waiting for Jack. The other stat, too, we have to look into. This will get back to him. I'll have to give him a heads up that I'm saying this about him. I'm trying to figure out when Colin Taylor's first year on the beat was for men's basketball. I don't know if it was right after the final know. four. Because if it was right after the final four, the, the curse of Colin. Yeah, that would, Colin. That, would that would be interesting. I'll we'll have to know. go back I and mean, look at that. We'll, we'll have to take a look for sure. That'd be quite interesting. Um, and then, yeah, Jack's got plenty of buckies. I make that way up to Knoxville plenty of times. But, yeah, I mean, Mike, Another, I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As, we, as, we wait, as we wait for Jack to hop on with us and, you know, if anyone else has thoughts on this way in, we're just trying to kill some time before Jack hops on with us and shares what was said in this post-game press conference from Lamont Paris and some of the players. And actually, there he is. We'll get to Maybe I'll ask Jack in a minute. There he is. Hey, guys. How's it going? Jack, how you doing, man? Can you hear me? I got you loud and clear. You look like Steve uh, Bartman in Chicago. Uh, minus the foul ball. Having said hey, that. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, what was just the initial reaction from Lamont and the players as you just came out of that post-game press conference and some of the things that they shared with you guys? 
Yeah, this is a very happy bunch, I would say. Just absolutely. I think, I don't know if it's really sunk in yet for anyone. I think, you know, I asked a bunch of them. Uh, we had Miles Studi talk to us, Talon Cooper, BJ Mack, and then obviously Lamont. But I asked them, you know, in one word, how would you kind of describe this past week? And, you know, we got a bunch of different responses. I think crazy, special, um, it truly, it's just nuts, man. It's it's crazy to think about just, you know, you, you cover this team last year, you watch this group last year, 11 and 21, and, you know, it felt like every game just stuff wasn't going right. Nothing was going their way. Uh, a lot of blown leads, just a lot of bad losses. And now you get to this year, picked last to finish in the SEC. No one gives them a chance. They, ha- they go through conference – or not conference, play non-con – and play really well, and then it's like SEC play comes around, and everyone's thinking, oh, they'll, they'll just go back to who they are, normal, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I, I don't want to say they've shocked the world yet because I don't know if it fully feels like that yet, but they're definitely they're definitely proving a lot of the naysayers wrong, in my opinion. What was just your reaction, or what were the, were the players' reaction as far as did you sense that there was some extra motivation with not being in the top 25. We talked about it, Joe and I, before earlier in the uh, in the show, that tweet from Michi Johnson yesterday, kind of just reacting to the team not being in the top 25. We've heard Lamont Paris mention it numerous times, all the, going all the way back to SEC media days to as recent as this past Saturday, reminding people that they were picked last in the SEC media poll. I bring that up to you because do you feel like there was just the sense of, okay, hey, we weren't in the top 25. We're going to continue to show people that we belong to be in it. No doubt, no doubt. I think that's another thing that was asked to them. You know, how do you kind of feel? Like, what was kind of the reaction to yesterday not getting ranked and stuff? And, you know, do you guys feel – I, I when I asked them, I didn't want to say, like, you know, disrespected, but, like, you know, how, what was kind of the feeling, you know, going into it and stuff? And I think Miles, dude, I just tweeted it out, what he said, but – I think he summed it up perfectly. I think he said, if they like us, they like us. Uh, I can't remember the full quote, but it's like, we'll get, if they we'll don't, get it for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's on my Twitter, but it's a great quote, great line. And it's very true. Um, but yeah, I think they just, I think deep down, they probably feel disrespected. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters to them because they're just going to go out and play their brand of basketball. And that's why I think going into this week, you know, I wrote a story about yesterday after the AP poll came out and I think them not being ranked truthfully was probably the best thing for them because they continue to get that underdog mentality as a result. I mean, it's crazy to think what a little number could probably do and the difference. I still think this team would have won tonight, regardless if they were ranked or not, just because they played so much better. I mean, Tennessee, it took Dalton connect a a few shots at the end of the game to keep it within a three point game. It was, it was nuts, but there's the quote. If they like us, they like us. If they don't, they'll pay the price. That is uh, – that's perfectly summed up, in my opinion. Just just a great quote. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the vibe I get with this team is that they still got a lot to prove. There's there's still more – I think more than half of the SEC games left to go. You still have a tough trip to Georgia on Saturday. Um, but, again, I mean, it's, it's just when you count this team out, they find a way to just prove you wrong. And I think that's kind of the identity of this team. They should put that on a shirt. Um, you know, keep, keep, keep proving people wrong. I think that's, uh, I think that's kind of, uh, the way things are right now. 
Yeah, and R.L. Smith mentions, I mean, that's verbatim what Paris said after the Kentucky game. I mean, we're hearing this a lot. There's, we, we talk about it, too. Players taking on the identity of what their coaches are. And R.L. Smith, you know, keep the main, the main thing. And it's not saying that these coaches, this team, creating these slogans in the sense that they're inventing them. But it's become kind of a battle cry. And when I think about this year's team, Jack, again, going back to SEC media days, there's no question. There's no question being picked last really set a fuel under Paris and this team. Because as I mentioned before, and Jack, you tell me what you think. We were talking before. No one could have predicted, especially from the outside looking at, no one could have predicted South Carolina being in the situation that they're in 21 games right now, 18 and three, six and two in conference play. No one could have predicted that on the outside looking in. Having said that, being picked last, how much do you think brought this team together knowing, okay, this is what the outside believes in us? And probably even that win against Kentucky, there was probably some people saying, all right, it's a nice win from South Carolina. But was that a fluke win? Was that just a bad night for Kentucky? Well, going into Knoxville and taking care of the number five team in the land eight days after beating another top 10 team, I think that sends the message loud and clear that South Carolina is much better than what a lot of people expected them to be heading into the season. You know, I think back to that SEC Media Days press conference uh, where Lamont Paris at the podium, and the first question he gets asked is, how do you feel about being picked to finish last in the SEC? And I think you could tell, I can't remember what he said, but you could tell right in that moment from his facial expressions, like, why, why are we being picked to finish last? I mean, now, right, now, right. To, to be fair, they did finish 12th in the SEC, I think last year. And they, uh, you know, they were, they were a, a big question mark this year. Right. Um, but I think the, the big thing about them is that they really stocked up in the transfer portal. Let's just talk about me. We haven't even talked about these guys, man. Talon Cooper, in my opinion, is the biggest addition to this team. Just continues to provide that veteran leadership, but also play super well defensively. And then he hits those two threes there. Sets the Miles, tone. Sets the tone indeed. Miles Studi, you know, with the shoulder banged up and all, he wanted to play on Saturday. I think that's another thing I forgot to mention is that he was uh, he was really itching to play Saturday and didn't, obviously. Um, but he comes in there tonight, hits – threes from the in the corner right across from me over here and then um he hits those four free throws at the end of the game and then bj mack he just works in the paint and he was he was telling me that he felt tired like he he was saying you know it is mentally taxing to you know really like i can't show it but like really back up in the paint and drive to the basket and just try to get a shot off and most most of the time it's tough but you know he said it was mentally taxing but it's just the adrenaline that allows him to just go in there and keep playing and then um you know Stephen Clark didn't play tonight so I just think this team is so much better off because of the new guys on this team that have been there before but not like not to this extent you know they haven't been you know back-to-back win or I'm sorry two wins over top 10 teams in eight days right it's uh it's something that I don't think any of these guys have been through but the fact that they're doing it together and kind of going through it together is something that's going to be really beneficial for years to come with the guys that come back and stuff. But um, to answer your question about, you know, just the disrespect factor, you know, they won't say it out loud, but it does, it does feel like, okay, deep down, 
you know, we're, we're being disrespected and we're going to go out there and uh, we're going to throw some punches and prove you wrong. Yeah, Jack, I mean, obviously you brought up Studi, a uh, very big game to have him back and then obviously make those two clutch free throws. Did you ever get to the bottom of, of what Studi said to those Tennessee players at the line at the end oh. of the game? Do, do you, do you, do you know so, what, it, what he said? Like, did, so you, yeah. Are you, are you talking about when he did the whole, like this thing? He, uh, yeah, there was there was some dialogue exchanged yeah. on those last two free throws, and it's seemingly the question of Twitter. Do you have any answer for us on, on what he might have said? I hate to be the bearer of bad news on a night like this, but he did not – he would not get into what was said. He yeah. Let's just say he, he, he kept it – like, he, he just wouldn't say because I'm sure it was bad or whatever. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure there was some square words in there and all that. No, uh, but, I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. he said, you know, he's wishing him a – uh, an yeah. early uh, happy thanks, uh, not Thanksgiving, uh, Valentine's Day, <laughs> yeah, or they, asking they, him who's picking in the Super them. Bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure it wasn't anything bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, that's the way I like to think about it. But um, yeah. I mean, you should have heard this place tonight, man. It was you 20,000 in there, I, I heard. I, I, I mean, they I mean, got them pretty, they, they got that crowd pretty quiet for a while, too. I mean, give no, South Carolina like, credit. Like I've never been here before. It is insane. I mean, you got suites behind you here. Twenty-one thousand people could fit in this place, and it was so loud. It kind of like, oh my gosh! It makes me think back to when I was at Neyland Stadium or, or last year, and it's just a hundred thousand people. But it kind of felt like that because it's an enclosed space. It's twenty thousand people singing Rocky Top, and you do get sick of that song after a while. Um, but you know, it's uh. It was nuts, and you know, credit to Studi, man. Those free throws. I mean, he's a gamer. Those were tough, and uh, he was able to go up there and clutch up. I think that's the big thing about this team is that they uh, they haven't choked up to this point. They they handle their business. They do what's needed to be done. And another thing I like I, I liked that Lamont had to say was, you know, the magnitude of this game was nuts, right? It's you're going on the road to Tennessee, top five team in the country. All this into that. You have so many factors that you have to think about in this game. But the way this team won, in his opinion, was that you they broke it down into small sections or areas of, okay, we need to do this, then we need to do that, and then we need to just do this and just keep from, from there and, and so on. And that's a big part of how they won the game. I think they weren't able to really stop Dalton Connect tonight, who was Tennessee's leading scorer. He had 31 points. Um but outside of that, they were really able to—they were able to handle business on a lot of the key guys for Tennessee. Um, you played very well defensively, in my opinion, uh, for most of the night. You hit the shots that you needed to, even when things weren't going right. You were able to find a way to hit some crazy shots and uh, play well defensively and make enough plays to win the game. No question about it, Jack. Well, hey, we appreciate it. You coming back tomorrow morning? Yeah, so I'm staying in Knoxville overnight. Uh, thank there you, Brian Shoemaker. Thank you, Brian Shoemaker, my boss, for uh, doing such a nice thing for me and let me stay over. Um, yeah, then I'll drive back. I'll uh, I'll, I'll grab some grub from uh, the best spot in Knoxville somewhere, and uh, we'll head on back and get ready for Saturday, man. It's, uh, so that it's means Bucky's be- then. That means Bucky's oh, on the way back somewhere. Yeah, you're oh. gonna. Hey, you're gonna need to grab me some beaver nuggets on the way back. Those things are oh, crazy, man. man. Oh man, I, I, I dude, I'm a Bucky's man. It's uh, that's <laughs> that was the last thing on my mind until you brought it up. But you know that'll be a uh, that'll be a definite stop on the way back. But hey, thanks, thanks guys for having me on, and uh, everyone watching, thank you guys for sticking around with us, and uh, 
you know, dealing with all our coverage. It's going to be crazy the next 24 hours or 48 hours like it was last week. But, you know, we appreciate it. We love you guys. And, uh, you know, thank you guys for watching with us. It's, uh, you know, it's a pleasure. All right, Jack. Appreciate it. it Jack Melky. Thanks, guys. Gamecock Central joining us tonight. All right, let's get let's hit the edge real quick. Then we're gonna have our final yeah. thoughts, and then we'll wrap it all up here. Uh, a double dose of intern Joe and, and Mike Yuva today. How about that? No one yeah, ever asked for that. But what they will ask for though, Joe, is for Liberty Tax because tax season's right around the corner. Yeah, Mike. Exactly. Tax season being right around the corner. April is right there. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes. But you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call them the tax team at Liberty Tax. They're fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen right now. And for those listening, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. You see his name appear above our heads for every GC Live show, not just ours, but when Wes and Chris and any Gamecock Central employee does a show, he's been a longtime supporter of Gamecock Central and a longtime sponsor of these GC Live shows. If you are in the process or you're thinking about getting into the process of purchasing a home, Clint and his team do an outstanding job. That's why when Wes Mitchell was looking for a home, or when former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth was also in the process of going through that, and they were looking for the lowest rates in the market, which right now it's not the easiest thing to do. It hasn't been that easy for the last year and a half plus, but Clint and his team do an outstanding job and can make that process much easier for you. Give him a call at 803-771-6933. All right, intern Joe, final thoughts before we wrap up this special edition of GC Live tonight. Final thoughts, Mike. I mean, what a win, right? I mean, this team just single-handedly proved its legitimacy uh, with one big win on the road. Um, If, you know, people are sleeping on the Gamecocks, they're not anymore. They're going to wake up tomorrow morning and realize that there is a winning basketball team and a damn good one um, in Columbia. Uh, So very, very big night for Lamont and his team. I think it's a real testament of the work that this team has put in in the offseason and just throughout the season being able to respond from – you know, a double digit loss at Alabama um, and then being able to respond like you did at, at Tennessee with a 63 to 59 victory over the Vols. Um, you know, very good showing major free throws, a lot of good things to take from this one. Um, and, you know, you shoot the ball a little bit better. You beat that team by even more. So a lot of really, really good things t- to take from this Gamecock Twitter is on fire right now. And I'm, I'm loving the fact that Columbia is turning into a basketball town, Mike. I think my biggest takeaway is the fact that South Carolina is four and two on the road right now. And the reason I bring up four and two is because when you look at the standings in the SEC, South Carolina with the win tonight, they move into second. Only Alabama is ahead of them. They're at six and one in conference play. South Carolina is at six and two, a half game back. And then you have Auburn that's five and two, Kentucky five and two, Tennessee five and two. So I bring those things up though, because a lot of teams have struggled. And you expect that, right? If they struck 
to have issues on the road. And South Carolina's had their hiccups, right? They're not perfect. But my, my point being is when you look at what they've been able to accomplish in conference play, only one loss, only one loss in conference play. So four and two on the year as far as road games go, but four and one on the road in SEC play. That's pretty damn good. That's pretty damn good. Now, obviously, they need to be able to continue that. You look at the schedule coming up. We've mentioned that before. They got to go to Georgia, right? Georgia beat them earlier this season, two weeks ago to be exact. A team that South Carolina should have beat. But having said all that, you look at what's left. You have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten games. And you got to go five, five on the road. So I say that because you look at some of those matchups on the road. Obviously, Georgia this weekend at Auburn, a pissed off Auburn team, at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, and then at Mississippi State to close out the year. So, look, where you're at right now, again, especially on the outside looking in, no one could have predicted South Carolina being in this situation 21 games in. Having said all that, the talks really now – it starts the shift. I'm not saying that South Carolina is going to win the SEC regular season crown, but what I'm saying is they're in position right now where we could be talking about that in the next week or so, next couple weeks. And I say the next week or so because if they're able to go out there, get some of these wins, who knows how things shake up. Alabama's a good team. They're not as good, in my opinion, as compared to a year ago, but things are getting really shooken up. In the SEC. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight for tonight's special edition of GC Live, the post game show. South Carolina takes down the number five team in the land. Two top 10 wins in eight days. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety for free. If you're not already a subscriber, just hit that little bell icon and you'll get notified anytime one of these GC live shows pop up or any other GC videos get uploaded to our YouTube page. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can also listen to this show in any other Gamecock shows, including the ones on 107.5 The Game, the GC Takeover Hour, and the Garnet Trust Hour. You can listen to all that on there. Again, he's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. No need to mix in a water tonight, Columbia, as we say. Get some sleep, though. We'll see you Thursday on GC Live Afternoon Drive.